1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the To Do List. I am your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity. In this case, we're talking with a productivityist. What does that mean? Well, I'll let Mike Vardy tell you once we get into the interview. But yes, this week I'm talking to Mike Vardy of productivityist.com. We talk a bit about what is productivity, we talk about ways to stop doing productivity and start being productive as well as how to determine when you have a need for a new tool and how to maybe test out that tool, as well as working on projects first and tasks second. This week, it's my great privilege to talk to Mike Vardy, a productivityist. He is not a guru. Welcome to the show, Mike.
2: Thanks for having me, Eric. Appreciate
1: it. Uh, I've been interested in talking to you for a while. I love the idea of the word productivityist. Can you clue us in on what that exactly means?
2: Well, a productivityist is somebody who is uh, really enthusiastic about you know, getting more efficient and more effective with their work and their workflow. So, when I, uh, and, and they're a student of the game, right? So, for me, uh, I look at it as I'm a productivityist because I, I like to explore ways to get work done better. Uh, I keep up with a lot of the different apps and the different workflows and different techniques. Um, so I've kind of—it's funny because the ist allows you to actually use any kind of like so enthusiast. I think for me now it's becoming more of a specialist. So I'm a productivity specialist, so productivityist. Because we all and Patrick Groen's talked about this before on the Enough Podcast. We uh, we all struggle with this kind of stuff, and for me. The whole—I mean, people have said, "Oh, you're a productivity expert." I'm like, "Well, I have expertise in it, but <laughs> I am by no means, uh, you know, expertly executing it 100% of the time." So that's that's kind of where the term came from, and and I thought it was a apt term to describe not just me, but a bunch of people. Like the site's not called the Productivityist because there are many people and. Much like, I guess, and this is by no means a, an accurate, uh, I guess, analogy. Just like there's, you can be a Buddha because you can, you know, there's not the Buddha. Uh, I guess in the similar terms, there's not just one productivist. There could be many, many. And I have a manifesto to kind of help people go down that path called the way of the productivist. So – but this is not a religion. It's just a, a way that you can, <laughs> a way that you can try to just get better work done and, and keep things in check. Uh, doing, I guess, the idea is to stop doing productive and start being productive.
1: There you go. That's exactly what I was looking for. That's the thing, though, is, is what you, how do you keep yourself from getting wrapped up in the <laughs> talking about productivity to actually be productive? It, does, do you find that difficult at all? Being, you know, kind of inside baseball or meta productivity talk where you're talking about productivity so much you're not getting stuff done it definitely has been a struggle in the past it's not as much now i mean i think
2: my history has kind of helped in that you know i spent a lot of time you know kind of reading and researching in fact that's kind of how i got started i started by you know reading up a lot on productivity because i was trying to get do some comedy stuff and i was trying to manage my day job and what happened was i ended up uh learning how to be more productive but I wasn't any more productive. So that's when I started to satir- satirize it with uh, eventualism.com, which is still up. You can still look at it and there's still there's still a few gems there. <laughs> Although I was probably more frequent than funny most of the time. Uh, and I had tip to Merlin Man for for that line. Yeah. But <laughs> but but I think what what what's happened is because I've gone to write for like sites like Work Awesome and Life Hack and stuff, I've become a lot more mindful and thoughtful about my approaches to productivity. And when you spend a lot of time in it, that's I think that's what happens when you study things for a long time, right? Is that you get to the point where it's like, am I really doing the the right things, or am I just doing a bunch of things? So I, I think that I'm at that next level of of you know, kind of not just exploring, but exploring mastery a little bit more. I mm-hmm. wrote about that recently on on, on the site. So I'm able to probably because I've learned a lot and know a lot more. I'm able to actually probably relate more to the people who are not so much into the the space as I am, and yet I can still like go toe to toe with you know like Michael Schechter on a weekly basis, and also you know like with uh, we had Karosh Dini and and uh, Than uh, Pam from um, from Asian Efficiency on a recent Mics on Mics, and it was just like a productivity roundtable, and we were just you know having a blast. So. I think that my role now in the space is to kind of say, okay, you know what? Here are some great tools. Here are some great tips. Here's how you can apply them to real life situations. And here's how you can not get caught up so much in the hey, there's 20,000 different task managers. Uh oh, I'm now learning how to use task managers really well as opposed to finding the one that works for me.
1: Oh, yeah. I hate that I've tried however many apps out there that there are for just whether it's planning your day or keeping track of tasks or calendaring or i mean how do you do that how do you determine maybe when you have a new need for a tool like a felt need that there's there's a, an itch that needs scratching with a tool and how do you test that tool and give it like a proper test or how do you do that
2: when i was working for the next web i was the apps editor so i ended testing a lot of apps, some that I didn't have any interest in at all. And then some I was like, oh, you know, so I would pursue those with, you know, with great fervor. But now that I'm, you know, and I still get a lot of those requests, especially, you know, after life hack and all that stuff. And I still do occasionally write for Cult of Mac. But what I've done is I actually, I actually create a template that I use that I can easily kind of look at. It's a text expander. Uh, For those of you who don't know what text expander is, it's like a, a kind of a keyboard shortcut, Way to enter text or very characters or code or whatever, uh, and it's a Mac only product. I think there's one on the the PC as well, but I can never remember its name. Uh, so uh, what I do is I actually use that to enter it into test a new product. So if I'm testing a new to do list or a new task manager, that's what I use. So that way, I'm invested in seeing how it will work. And the template I use is actually something I, uh, an old project that's long been completed. So now I can you know so there's still some personal attachment to it so I'm not like eh, well if this doesn't get done it doesn't get done there's still kind of that I kind of trick myself a bit uh, so that's how I'm able to do it but if I'm adding something new like something like a, an app like My Minutes or 3030 or something it, it, it's basically the way I, I look at it is I, I, if I see that there's a product that I'm like oh you know this one tracks how many hours I'm spending in, in deliberate practice which is something that Cal Newport talks about in his book So Good They Can't Ignore You uh, I'm like, I don't have something that does that. So that's when I will add it to the workflow, but, but I have to look at where it's not just how, but where I add it, like what piece of the puzzle it goes into. So, you know, if I'm using OmniFocus for my task management for individual task management, uh, and I'm like, all right, well now I need to, I want to track how much time I'm spending working on this book. Then I'll use Contexts for apps. So for example, and you can do that with, uh, with any of them. So contexts or tags. So if you're using Evernote, you use tags instead. Or if you're using things, I think things is tags as well. So what I'll do is I'll put, you know, like track hours spent writing today. And then I'll use my minutes as the context. So I, I get very specific with those contacts that are related to those apps. And then if I find th- what I do is in my weekly review is if I find that I'm not using the app all that much, It'll show up in the weekly review process that OmniFocus offers and for any of them, really. So I can say, oh, you know what? I've only used my minutes like twice. Am I really using it? Does it really matter to me all that much? Or am I just uh, blowing smoke up, up, up my own, right? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So that's that's a trick that you can use to kind of say, hey, am I really Evernote, – Evernote was one of those, right? Like Evernote, I was not using a lot at all until probably over the past year I've gotten more into it. And the reason I was able to see this, is I'm like, oh, look, I've, you know, the context of Evernote is getting used a lot more. I'm spending more time in that. So, yeah, that's one way to do it. And I think that's probably for people who are new to it, it's probably the best way is to – because contexts are no longer – and we this was talked about at the OmniFocus setup and people have talked about this time and time again. It's no longer like home, office, computer, you know, those things. Uh, I tend to use things like specific apps for that purpose. Uh, I use context like low energy and high energy instead mm-hmm. to, to to dictate, you know, for my light lifting days and heavy lifting days, which I've written about before to say, okay, you know what, like we talked about before one on the air, I've got a bit of a cough. Uh, okay, maybe today is a low energy day. So what are the things that I can do so I can knock off a bunch of tasks or or make progress and go forward so that I'm not, you know, paralyzed. And so I think with 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 workflows, if you put yourself in a position where you can measure it, then that allows you to really refine your workflow to a point where it's not getting in the way instead of you know it, instead of helping you on your way,
1: okay, and you mentioned a couple of different things there I'd love to touch on one mm-hmm. uh, omnifocus I know you're seen as a you know quote unquote expert on that i know you you mentioned the omnifocus uh, setup, which was really cool to see some of the videos that came out of that why omnifocus like what what are the benefits there for that?
2: omnifocus is one of those applications that is as powerful as you want it or need it to be. But it can be as simple as, as you want it. You don't really need to go in great guns. And I think that's one of the things that probably Evernote falls into this line too, where people go, wow, look how big it is. I can't use it. You know, like yeah. it's too much for me. But it's not. You know, I, I think that for me, one of the things that really appealed to me about OmniFocus, and I kept coming back to it. And actually, if you watch the panel discussion, uh, Chris from Omni, the Omni Group Uh, Took me to task with, uh, no pun intended, with my uh, penchant for for switching task management apps. He goes, you're you're known for switching. And I'm (laughs) like, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) But the idea that their mobile apps have worked so well since the get-go on iOS. And they all did one thing a little bit better than the other. Did. So the iPad version was fantastic for the weekly review and for forecasting. So you could go in. For those of you not familiar with OmniFocus, um, you can go in and, and the weekly review process, which uh, uh, David Allen is, you know, a big like that's that's one of the key tenets of GTD. Like if you don't do the weekly review, then you're you know you're you're gonna fall down. So. Uh, what it has, is has this option called review where you can go in and you can actually look at all the things, all the projects, all the, all the things you've got going on and go through them every week. So that way you're not, and you can set them up to be differently too. Like every day you can go through it every week. So that way you're not falling behind or falling off the wagon. Uh, that, uh, practice in the iPhone app and the Mac app were nowhere nearly as good, if not even available. The iPhone app has great location awareness, right? Because, I mean, you're not going to carry around your iPad necessarily everywhere you go. But if you're in a location, you're like, you know, groceries or errands. And you've got you know a specific errand that you're going to be doing, and you say, okay, grocery shopping is one of them. It'll say, oh, well, I'm at the Safeway, and this is where the location is, and OmniFocus is reminding me to go and buy cat litter, or buy you know milk or bread or whatever, right? So that that aspect is really great as well. And then the Mac app just allows you to have really refine what are called perspectives, so different custom views. So it's really really powerful. But you could literally go in and say, you know, what? I've got this big project. And I'm going to use OmniFocus. I'm going to add five tasks to it, and that's it. Or you could use it as a simple to-do list, but it scales, and not a lot of them do. Evernote's another one that scales. Things scales to a point, too. Asana is another one, and Flow. Both these, All these apps scale, but a simple to-do list uh, doesn't scale. And that's why when I look at people and they say, oh, I've got my to-do list, I'm like, well, that's not really your list. It's just the list of the things that you've got. In most cases, if you write down a to-do list or use a to-do list app, you're not really working on the things that are going to move you forward on the things you really want to do. It's just the things that you say, OK, well, this is what I have to do today. And the have to do's are fine. You need to do them. But you got to have some want to do's or you know the go forward to do's so that way you're not going to be just writing a to-do list every day for the rest of your life and not actually getting anywhere with them.
1: Yeah, and I've heard you say somewhere before, somewhere in what I've read of of what you're writing is that a to-do list is not enough, which, I mean, that's my title of the show right there is, you know, beyond the to-do list. You tend to focus more toward projects instead of just singular tasks. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean,
2: and I think that that's important. A lot of people when they, uh, and I'll do workshops with people, and they'll write down something like clean kitchen. I'm like, that's a project. They're like, no, no, it's on my to-do list. I'm like, yes, it is. But it's not a task. <laughs> it's a project. Because imagine giving uh, – I mean I, I have kids. I have a two-year-old and an eight-year-old. And even my eight-year-old, if I say, can you clean the kitchen? She's going to clean the kitchen the way she feels she needs to clean the kitchen. But she may miss the floor and may not wipe the counters and stuff. I'm like, well, I cleaned the kitchen. Well, but if you if you look at the <laughs> clean kitchen as a project, you go, okay, well, what's involved with cleaning the kitchen? Cleaning the sink, doing the dishes, clean. I mean that's what it is. So in a lot of cases, what I ask people to do is when they write out their to-do list is I ask them to look at it and ask them to review it before they actually go on with their day and say, all right, are any of these things – do they have multiple steps? They do? OK. Grab another index card if that's what they're using or grab another sheet of paper or open up another you know text file or whatever they're using and break down that into the into the steps because cleaning the kitchen, if you do, once you do that and you say you've got 10 things on your list and clean kitchen is one of them, uh, all of a sudden you may have 20 things on your list because you didn't properly evaluate it. So I like to have people look at pro- like their to-do list and really get a good look at it because chances are there's at least one or two projects that you've put on there that you've missed that you're – so you're basically misjudging your day, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Do you have any kind of best practices for helping people determine in their devising of their to-do list, so to speak, that it's not just a list of – they see it as a list of tasks. But Mm -hmm. it's really a list of projects and then they'll never start any of those projects because they've not broken down any of those projects into singular tasks. Is there any way to get people beyond doing that?
2: I think, I think one of the ways – and this, this is going to sound stupid uh, to a lot of people, but uh, it's funny. One of the earlier studies I did with exploring the, the realm of productivity and time management was I, I looked at uh, Anthony Robbins who, who is a guru or, and, and possibly a self-described one. But he has – you know on his system, he actually writes down sleep. So he actually has that as a task called sleep. So what I would do initially is I actually did that. I followed that, which was really dumb because, I mean, honestly, to schedule scheduling sleep to me was just – it just doesn't seem – doesn't sit well anymore. But what what about eating? Okay. So if you look at eating and you say, what do you have to do today? Well, I have to eat. Okay. How many times do you have to eat? Well, I have to eat three times. Okay. So write down eat three times. I'm like, well, then, the, I, I, what I'm basically trying to get at is, is that – If you you look at the steps that are involved in it, writing down eat once just means you're going to have to cross it off three times because you're probably going to eat three times a day, right? But you need to look at it at its simplest of terms, and you have to break it down into as many steps as possible if there are multiple steps. Making a phone call is one step, right? But if it's contact, you know, Jim about car, it could be I don't have Jim's phone number, so look up Jim's phone number. Like really – look at that task and look at your list. And, and that's the best practice because when you capture it, you're writing down things as they come to you, you know, like I'll have write book. Okay. Well, that's great. <laughs> that's the, that's, <laughs> that's that's, that's, it's awesome. that easy. That's that easy. You know, okay, I'll write the book, but you have to look at it. And the thing, the question you have to ask yourself is, is that one step? Is this all I have? Is that the one step? And if someone says, yeah, write book is one step. No, it's not. I mean, if th- then they're fooling themselves. So, They really need to look at it and say, "Okay, is there multiple steps involved to do this one thing on my to-do list? If there is, then it's not a task. It's a project. And one of the ways uh, that I suggest people do that is if there's two ways you can do it. One is you just – I put a P in a circle next to it if I realize it's a project and then I'll create a separate list for it. Or I'll just remove it from the to-do list. Like I'll just bypass it as you're going through the to-do list, right? So I mean – and I can do that in my task management app as well. I can look at it and go, "Okay, well, that's part of a project. I'm going to avoid that project because I need to devote more time to it. So I'm going to crank out these other things like send email to so-and-so and so and da 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 So those kind of things, that, that will be a big help if you're using a written to-do list. Is just to kind of look at it and go, okay, well, these are this has requires more than one step. So I'm going to mark it as a project and I'll deal with it later and I'll, I'll create a separate list for that. But another way is if you're using a digital task management system is to sort by context. So, if you're looking at your to do list and you've got, okay, well, this task applies to this project, right? So, uh, or or, sorry, sort by, um, or or this task applies to this, I can make this phone call using my phone. If you look at your views and OmniFocus lets you do this, and I believe if Things does as well, this will help me move forward on this project, great. Then you focus on the project. But if you're making phone calls and you're like, I'm sitting for 20 minutes in front of the phone and you make all those phone calls, you'll look at your projects that are listed next to it and go, oh, wow, I made two phone calls that are moving me forward on this project. Or I made uh, – sent a- a- emails that are going to move me forward on this project. So using su- some system like that will help you and you can use it with – you know, I mean, again, with – Asana has tags and so does Flow. So things like that. But it takes thinking and that's the problem is most people just write down their to-do list and they go, all right, I got to get this done and they don't really think about it. So a a thoughtful approach and and doing that front end work is so essential because it's – I use this analogy uh, at a a recent workshop. You don't show up for a camping trip and start drinking before you set up the tent (laughs) because what if it starts raining? Then you're stuck outside drinking in the rain. Whereas if you set up your tent first, at least you know, and it, it's it's off your mind. Okay, you know what? If it starts raining, we know where we can go. We go to the tent. But you know, so many people when they get camping, what's the first thing they want to do? They don't want to set up a tent. No one really wants to do that when they go to, when they show up at a campground right away. They they want to just start to have fun. But in order to have fun, they need to put themselves in a position where they can have. Fun without thinking about what happens when something happens. So that that's that's what I think you need to do is that front end work, and a lot of the front end work involves
1: thinking. Thinking's hard. <laughs> it, I've said that. I think I tweeted this in the past couple of weeks, where I had a day recently where I really didn't get much done, but I sat and thought so much about the different things that needed to be done and organized it. I was so much more effective the next couple of weeks because I sat and did that, and that was almost like a pre it was almost like a weekly review, but it wasn't weekly wasn't scheduled it was more like a pre monthly review or something like that, so it's like it's like a brain dump review combination
2: yeah yeah and and that's the the other thing is a lot of people it's so hard to describe people how important it is to like just write everything down like as a writer, I get that, and as someone who did comedy before, like if I had a joke that came to mind or I saw something funny, I would write it down. I remember going in a plane. Just a jo- I pulled out my index cards, and, and I mean, it's simple as an index card and binder clips. And somebody is trying to stuff their bag in the overhead barrier, and they go, "God help me!" And I'm like, "He can't help you with that bag, I'm afraid." So, like, there's so I wrote, wrote that down. I mean, yeah, not very funny, in a the, in the, but something. It's a nugget, right? It could start something. And I think that that's what's a, what you need to do. You, you if you start capturing that stuff, then you're going to get a better handle on. When you curate it, right? So you're going to say, oh, well, this is worth it. This isn't this. And you can apply that to your to-do list. Well, I don't really need to do this thing. Or this thing is much bigger than it is. So once you start that process of capturing, that's a big, big step towards getting more effective and and efficient with your your work and with your life in general. Like my wife wants me to book a hair appointment with – for my daughter at this boutique here in Victoria where I'm, where we live. And she's like, I don't think I'll remember. I don't think she goes, I I like, look, I'll take care of it. I literally pulled out the notebook that was in my pocket while we're sitting at the dinner table and wrote it down. And she's like that. Why would you interrupt dinner? And I said, because it may not be important right now, but it will be later when you want me to call tomorrow. And that way I'm taking that off your mind. And the fact you saw me write it down means that, you know, I'm going to take care of it. And, and that means that, that, so I think that that's, that's hugely important. And, it takes a lot of practice to do that i mean how long did it take you capture a lot of stuff right you capture yeah just, oh yeah how long did it take you to really finally get comfortable with doing that
1: oh gosh oh it took a while because honestly i was capturing things and then doing nothing with them i had right. to build in the curation time or the the processing time to do something with it
2: right right but but the idea and and that's just it is that most people they skip that they don't they, they figure – they don't even start the capture process. They're like, well, wait a minute. Why am I writing everything down? I'm not going to be able to possibly do everything. So why – I'm just going to write down the things that I feel are important. But you don't – can't evaluate things that quickly. When something comes to you, you don't know how important it's going to be until you actually sit down later and look at it and go, oh, that thing. That's mm-hmm. right. And I think that that's the problem is people – and Merlin said this at the OmniFocus setup. He said, you know, we're – we capture because we are really smart, because we don't want to, you know, smart people need to capture. Because if they don't, then they're they're they they basically try to be too smart for their own good. They're thinking, you know, oh, I'll remember that, or I'll know why that's important. But the thing is, once you write it down, you're freeing your mind up to do a lot a lot more with the bandwidth that's got available. If it's just sticking in your mind. Then and it's going to stay there. David Allen talks about this too, like mind like water. You got to clear. You got to do the brain dumps, right? And and a lot of people just that's the biggest roadblock. Once you start doing that, then the curation comes later. But I mean, you, and the curation will come when you look at all those index cards. and Go, oh my, what 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 am I going to do with all this stuff? Well, you have you have a choice. You can either leave it and let it pile up, or you can look at it and go, okay, well, can I do do defer, delegate, delete. Right?
0: Checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com slash beyond. Again, go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash beyond.
1: Right? Yeah, that's one of those things. Do you ever do um when I talked to John Acuff a couple weeks ago, he said something along the lines of where he's taking time specifically in his day now to literally be silent and do nothing. And I and I asked him, "Well, are you taking a notebook with you to that, or you know, right, you know, going to write an idea down or whatever?" He said, "No, because if I do, it'll turn into a brainstorming session, and then that's not what I block that time out for." Have you ever experienced anything like that? I don't really take silent time like that, but
2: I do practice yoga now and I do run so that's when I I I often find that ideas come to me during those times and I don't bring a notebook for that so like when I'm running I'll often be you know I'll use like the Nike plus app because that way I can kind of you know crowd like get the raw raw cheers from people on path (laughs) but but I you know if an idea comes to me And it sticks during that time. Then when I get home, I'll write it down. But I mean, I'm gone for like a half hour and I'm running around and I live in like on an island. So, I mean, I can run to the ocean in basically 20 minutes. And so that's what I'll do is I'll run. And I'll sit at the ocean and I won't bring the notebook. And there's a time where I'll sit there and sit in front of the ocean for 15, 20 minutes. And that's just where I mean, there's nothing better than doing blue sky thinking in front of an ocean, right? Like you're just oh, kind of yeah. sitting there. <laughs> so so but those times and same with yoga. Like, I mean, I do a video series at home and I'm I'm practicing that. And and there with yoga, it's like that meditation, you know, you notice it, it comes into your mind, you let it go. You notice it you if it's it's that old adage in in that practice yeah. of if it if it comes if what's that that saying uh, if you love something let it go and if it was yours man, it'll come back to you yep. that's what that's how I look at it if if it comes back to me later then it's something that's really you know something that I'm really grasping and I want to want to foster but that if I don't like John said and his new book is really good I've just started to dig into it. Um, start, I think it's called, right? Yeah. Start. Uh, I've just started it. Uh, <laughs> I haven't finished yet. His, that's the sequel, I think. Yes. Like him, I, if I bring something to the table that it just becomes a crowded table and I'm not, then, then I'm sort of sullying the experience of the, the run or the yoga practice.
1: Okay. Now kind of dipping into that whole, you know, theoretical or let's see here, I, I'm trying to figure out a way to go from yoga to willpower.
2: Esoteric,
1: yeah. There you go. The, to be out there in that, it struck me as funny, and then completely kind of hit me on the head that, uh, that of course, you would be Uh the Green Lantern. <laughs> like when I saw you tweet the picture of the, the the ring, and I thought, oh, that that just makes sense with what I've read about what you're doing, and you know all your, all the stuff. I was just like, okay. So I have to ask, how do you see willpower? Okay, explain what's a Green Lantern. First off, in in as little as you can say about it. I also I read I I read Green Lantern. So. See,
2: so I'm glad because you said what's a Green Lantern. I'm like yes. So he does read it, or he knows because there isn't just one Green Lantern, right? Like that's that's a lot of people like. Well, isn't that the guy that Ryan Reynolds? He's the Green Lantern. I'm like no 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 no. Uh, no, the uh, Green Lantern are they a they're a a core of intergalactic space police. Uh, that are – that and basically they wield a ring uh, that is uh, powered – that basically it's green and green is the color of willpower in this in – the, the spe- emotional it, spectrum. Of the emotional spectrum as opposed to – which is weird because a lot of people – like, it's an envy. I'm like, shut up. No, it's not. It's willpower. <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: no, that would be like that, – that would be more like orange. So That's
2: – yeah, yeah, that's – yeah, Avarice and,
1: and there's only one orange lantern. And right I don't want to so. geek totally out all over
2: all the spectrum here but – yeah, but, but so so basically um, I found – and it really came to light when I, I – I was getting back into comic books uh, over the past couple years and the Green Lantern really resonated with me because of the idea that willpower. And, and I looked at the other uh, – the opposite of the emotional spectrum which you know in this case his arch enemy which would be Sinestro and he's a Yellow Lantern and Yellow Lantern's rings are powered by fear. And so the enemy – I mean – uh, when you look at it from the productivity expectation, from the the whole idea of, of this, is that you know the reason we don't do a lot of the things that we really want to do that will move us forward, instead of you know like so we look at our to do list and go well I'll do these things and that way I've you know I've done I've got things done, um, is because we're afraid because what happens if we do that thing. And it, get, it either gives us more work that we're either not ready for, or that we are ready for but don't want to face. You know, like for example, me writing the book. You know, when I put the front nine out there, I'm like, oh boy, uh, it's yeah, I wrote the book, uh, but you know, I started writing the book. It's like, well, what if I get it done? No one likes it, or what if I? What if it's not as good as as it could be? Or you know, so that's what fear comes in. It's like that lizard brain uh, aspect that Seth Godin talks about mm-hmm. a lot, or the resistance that Stephen Pressfield talks yeah. about. Uh, so. The Green Lantern, I've got like avatars of him all over the place. So I've got the ring that my kids got for me for, for Christmas uh, and my wife, my kids. And thanks to Michael Schechter for kind of saying, hey, here's the one that I think you should get because Schechter's a jeweler and jewelers know these things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I've got that. So I wear that when I'm writing, when I know that, you know, hey, there, I could easily be distracted by the Internet or, hey, why don't I go? I mean, I work from home, so why don't I go watch TV for a bit? So the willpower element is a huge component to try to say, okay, you know what? Yeah, I've got twenty things on my list that need to be done today, but what are the most important, and what's going to take the most willpower to get done? You know, like the the guest post for Huffington Post again, because you know, well, what if they don't like it, or what if that? So that's kind of where willpower comes into play for me with this stuff, and it's the same thing with doing that front end work, right? And all the stuff I was talking about earlier, it takes willpower to push through that because the reward. At the end is going to be you know so much. It's going to allow you to do so much more. Uh, whereas if you're fearful, then all you're going to be doing is you know basically being held back. So that's that's the idea behind the Green Lantern when it comes to this stuff. I'm a big visual touchstone kind of person. I've got the beat resistance thing that Stephen Pressfield talks about. The placard on my desk. I've got a again comic book reference. I've got the Vision who's from Marvel. And he's a bobblehead that's on my desk. And I use that as a, a means of going, okay, you know, what is my vision? What do I really, you know, my vision statement kind of stuff. And then I've got, uh, again, just another Green Lantern thing. And I've got a picture of my kids on my desk as well to remind me why I'm really doing all this stuff. Cause I want to show my kids, hey, you can do what you love to do, make a living at it, and make, you know, as little compromise as possible. So, the the But the Green Lantern – I even wear the Green Lantern ring when I'm running sometimes because sometimes you get to a point where it's like, oh, I shouldn't run anymore or I don't really want to run. Yeah, but you know what? Well, if you do, then you're going to live longer and or you, you're likely to live longer and those kind of things. So I think that, that willpower – and there's a book that David Allen contributed to and I can't remember who the author is. It talks about willpower. And uh, I think it's highly – that in, in coupled with discipline because I think you can't have you, – you can't really have one without the other in this case. Uh, really allows me to get a lot more done and spend a lot more time doing the things I really want to do, as opposed to just spending a lot more things just doing.
1: Yeah, I I hear you with that, and it sounds to me like you're you're almost bringing in, you know, a few other of the emotional spectrum colors in mm-hmm. your motivation. You know, where you've got like, for example, not to go all frou frou, but the star sapphires thing. There is theirs is like love. Yep. So that would be your family. Yep. You know, and uh, blue being hope and. Hopefully not Agent Orange being you know av- avarice greed well well this or anger red yeah, that's,
2: yeah that's true. <laughs> well you know what though but I they mean,
1: can be good motivators once in a while and that's the weird, that's the good thing I mean it's it's a spectrum so
2: yeah yeah absolutely and and it's it's interesting because uh, one of the things that I, I felt by doing this and I've done a couple talks where. Um, and Chris Brogan did a talk at World Domination Summit last year where he got into the superhero stuff. And he talked about, you know, finding your superpower. And I was right into that talk because I'm like, yes, yes, you know. And and, and I think that when – what people need if they're not in this space is something that they can relate to. And it's hard for people to relate to technology and contexts and GTD and stuff like that when they, they've not really read it. I mean GTD is not a – it's not a tough book to read. Uh, in terms of length, but it's a tough book to read if you're not if you if you go into it and you're and it's not that you're not ready to read it, but that you don't really. You, you, it's hard. It's a hard message for you to read, right? You know, it's yeah. like oh, you know, he's right, he's right, he's right. And so, what's easier to do? Well, it's easier to put the book down and go back to what you were doing, as opposed to keeping on, keeping on. And the thing about that book too, just like the thing about you know wearing my ring or. You know, reading up on, on – and the evolution of productivity, the productivity space in general, is it's becoming different. It's evolving every time you read it. So every time you read Getting Things Done, you're going to get a different message out of it. Every time you you look at, a, at, a, at an application, you're going to go, hey, what can I do with this application that's going to work for me? So, I mean, when I did the Evernote Beer seller post – I had a lot of people going, wow, I didn't know it could do that. Well, yeah, it could do whatever you – I mean there's so many things you can do with these things. OmniFocus, the whole idea of adding recipes from this app on the iPad called Basil to OmniFocus to say, hey, look, here's the recipe. I've titled the the task Wednesday and the name of the recipe is this. So now on Wednesday, I know this is what I'm cooking and here it is, the link to it and it opens it up and I go, there's the recipe. And people are like, well, that's stupid. Why don't you just write out a meal plan? I'm like, well, because then I go to one place – where I know, hey, okay, what's today? Today is Wednesday. Oh, I have to do this and this and this. Uh, This will move these things forward. Oh, right, dinner. Because you can, when you're in a state of flow or you're in a, I mean, you can forget things like that. So I'm, you know, I use the tools to help me be, be better. And I think that that's, What a lot of people look at, they go, wow, I didn't really realize it could be used for that. Well, it could be used for whatever you want. If someone asks me, and I'm sure if they ask you this too, what's the best to-do list manager? What's the best task manager? You go, (laughs) well, I don't know. Because you don't – it's going to be subjective. It's a completely subjective question. You don't know how every person's work habits are going to be. You don't know if they're an analog or a digital person. So. I think that if you can bring back some touchstones, like the Green Lantern thing, I said, you know, who's the enemy of Green Lantern? Like five hands went up and one person shouted, Sinestro of Fear. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, OK, I, I found a, I found something I can I can relate to. And the whole camping thing and stuff, if yeah. you can find those, those relatables, those real life kind of like, hey, everyone goes camping or a lot of people go camping or there's a lot of comic book nerds out there. Uh, then you can really bring home the the idea of that, hey, look, if you if you do this front-end work, if you use this notebook, if you use this application, you can have a better life. Not just better work, but a better life because you're putting yourself in a position to do so.
1: That's one of the things I've tried to get across to people as as hopeful and you just basically did said it bluntly, is this this is what this is all about. I mean, the show's called Beyond the To-do list for a point. It's not just about Listing off tasks it's not just about even having the projects listed and even done. It's that once the stuff's done, like, what's the point after that? Like, what are, what's the end goal? What are we aiming at here with all this? And that's the point is, is to have a better life, like do better work, be happier, do things that you enjoy. And you do all those by being as structured or as organized in your own style and functioning at that you know at that higher or better or whatever level that you need to do and and again you put it great with latching on to whatever you need to do to do that what, whatever tool that's your style whatever methodology whatever you know flow whatever you want to call it that that's that's real the approach has to be uniquely yours you need to be a student of you and know you well enough and some people maybe need to take more time and do a little more of that first before applying you know, okay, I'm going to use this tool because Mike and Eric said so.
2: Well, and it's uh, Patrick Roan wrote a great post called "The Best Upgrade Is You." And uh, when I talked about on my my recent post about exploring uh, productivity and exploring mastery, I knew new approach to it. Uh, he's right. And, and the thing is, there's nothing more frustrating for me than to say, when someone gets through their to-do list, what do they do with it? Well, what do you, the, most often, they'll make their next to-do list. Like, that's all they'll do. They'll be like, okay, well, I've got all this stuff done so I can add more to it. In, instead of saying, oh, wow, like, I got this stuff done. Now, what else is really important that I need to do? Because most people, when they write down their to-do list for the day, it's it's often the urgent stuff. Like they don't do a priority matrix stuff or they don't use an app like Eisenhower and say, okay, well, what do I need to do and what don't I? I mean that's that's a building block I start with people with as well. I'm like, okay, if you're having problems with your to-do list, write down – Go into either go to Eisenhower.me and use that app, or get an iPhone and use it that way, or or just write it. You know, do the quadrants on on a piece of paper and do it right. that way. Right. The other thing is is that I mean I know David Allen will say, and he said this. He says it's a systematic approach. Take what you want from GTD and use it, and throw away what you don't. Uh, some people can't deal with the whole idea that calendars are meant for date specific actions or appointments. Some people need to schedule time. Some people need to use their calendar, and that's fine. I don't do that. I don't necessarily recommend that people do that. But I'm all for people scheduling time for themselves if that's what they need to do. If they say, you know, I'm going to block out two hours from 9 to 11 for my own time, I'm, I'm going to do that. So make it your own. But put a system in place because when you have a framework or a structure you can go to, it's your touchstone. It's the thing that says, OK, that's your anchor. It's it's the thing you go, OK, you know what? I'm floating out to sea. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm losing my way. Let's go back to my system. Oh, OK. This is what I've got. I know that no matter what, between one and three today, I'm going to be you know, doing my own blue sky stuff. Or I'm going to be having a meeting with myself. Or you know what? No matter what, I know I'm going to check email. Second, I'm going to do my most important task first. As simple or as complex as you need your, 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 your structure to be, you have to have it. Because if you don't, then you're going to be twisting in the wind more often than not. When you twist in the wind, you end up going places you don't
1: really want to go. Oh, yeah, that actually is a good segue, maybe back into when you talked about being sick or having low energy. That's one of those instances where got your anchor. it helps you to have plan B
2: awareness. I mean, this is all about awareness, right? like when you when the reason you're capturing is because you want to be aware of the task when you need to be aware of it. You, you know the reason you have the system in the structure is because you want to be aware of of that stuff when you're no matter where you are and no matter what situation you're in the reason you you monitor your energy and i've got that product uh, i mean i'm working on a little sheet that will help people out you know with you know hey you know what's your energy level like today is this a heavy lifting day or a light lifting day like i'm working on something like that for the site as well the other thing in this, we go back to the Green Lantern, the willpower stuff, is that it also gets very easy for people to go, you know what, it's a light lifting day, light lifting day, low energy day. And, and you, that's where, again, more discipline, knowing yourself, being aware to go, you know what, I'm really only fooling myself right now. I'm not, It's I'm not, my energy level is only low for like the first hour and now I'm feeling like I'm I'm building up. And some in some cases, those low energy tasks actually can compound so that you get to the point where they become high energy tasks or... You start doing enough of low energy ones that your energy level goes up. So then you become – you're into high energy. So it's all about self-awareness and that self thing is so important because like you said, you know, I mean if you don't put yourself in a position where you've got this – you know, if if you've got the system and you've got your – you want to go beyond the to-do list, the only way you can go beyond is if you know where you really want to go. And if you don't know where you really want to go, then you're not really self-aware. You're just basically, you know, your Pavlov's dog, right?
1: Yeah. Now – we're talking high energy and low energy tasks for somebody who's maybe never heard those terms before what are some examples that fit in those categories
2: again subjective to a point because i can say you know email for me is a low energy task but for somebody who works in customer service or a community manager they may be high energy tasks in fact some emails may be low energy and some emails may be high energy which is why i like using those as context as opposed to email as a context because Uh, I can, I mean, where can I send email from? I can send it from an app like Close, which I use, or I can send it from my iPhone, my iPad, whatever. So, I mean, some emails will take very little energy, you know, like um, those simple thank you or yes emails, which I'm not a fan of, but, uh, (laughs) you know, and and then the other ones, which is like, hey, you know, I want to do an interview with you. Can you look at your schedule and tell me what time? Okay, well, that might be a bit high energy because I need to be really into the awareness of where my day is going and stuff like that. Uh, Or, you know, That would be an example of of one that could be low or high. Another low – I mean low energy task, take out the garbage. Let's see, around the house. uh, You know, like uh, water the plants, things like that. Those are low energy and those are also ones that, again, they propel you forward. They're like, okay, well, that's done. That's done. That's done. High energy would be like if you do this, write blog post, or work on taxes, you know, like assemble receipts or or something like that. Like so it's going to be subjective. But the thing is, anything that you feel is going to be, no pun intended, taxing, the more taxing it is, the higher, more high energy it is. The, the, the less impactful it's going to be in terms of draining you, then it's low energy. And again, in some cases, it's going to be the day of the week that dictates it. For example, I'm a stay-at-home dad. So Tuesdays and Wednesdays are the days that I'm home with my son and if you ask me to do a heavy lifting task on that day, I'm going to tell you that there's not a chance I'm going to be able to do it during that day. So that also dictates when I do high energy and low energy tasks. I'll do a lot of email checking and a lot of social media stuff on Tuesdays and Wednesdays when my son's playing or whatever because that's the kind of day. And I can afford the interruption. That's another thing too. I guess high energy tasks, you want to be as disrupt, least disruptive situation as possible. Least And disruptions and distractions are very different. I think that with low energy tasks, if you're in the middle of an email and the phone rings or your kid falls down or someone, you know, picks, calls you at the office or, you know, sends you an IM, you can afford to be interrupted and not go, oh, I have to work the energy to back up to complete this task.
1: That's a good point. And even willpower comes in right there. Like it suddenly, mm-hmm. some you know, there's a task that is urgent and it's important and it's a day where you have low energy. Well, suddenly you've got to just fake yourself in. I mean hopefully you have the ability to kick in your willpower, but sometimes you've just got to fake it because ultimately you, you know your priority and, it, and whatever it is really is in the context of it's priority, urgent, and it's important. But ultimately,
2: so. yeah. Ultimately, you do, you, those situations should be as rare as possible. And right. if you do the front end work, then they will be like people. That's it. Oh, I have so much that has to get done today. I'm like, well, why does it have to get done today? Well, because it's due today. Okay. Well, why why wasn't it done before? <laughs> right. Well, because what a lot of people will do, and I mean, the, the every day should be a due date. Do date for for important stuff. Right. It should, you should be making marked progress towards that that important task. And that way, it doesn't become urgent and important. It just become It stays in that not urgent and important zone. Because the problem is, if so many things get to urgent and important, and sometimes it's not going to be you that dictates that either. Sometimes it's going to be your boss. Sometimes it's going to be you know your family. Sometimes those things are going to happen. But the ones you have control over, if you can mitigate those to keep them going forward on them regularly, and don't write down. Okay, well, it's due on April fifteenth, and. On April 14th, you're like, "Uh uh-oh, it's due tomorrow. You know, I mean, and that's why I don't like putting due dates on things. In my task management application, I use uh, primarily use start dates. Things like taking out the garbage, I'll put that as a due date because that's, you know, I know the garbage goes out on this date. But for most things, I'll do start dates. And that way, I'm making marked progress. And I don't use the calendar to say, okay, this project or this milestone is due on, you know, it's due on this date. If anything, and I've talked to somebody about this, because uh, they're like, Well, I have milestones and it's due on April fifteenth. I go, just put the name of the thing on the fifteenth and make it an all-day thing. Don't put due, do, just put milestone blank. You know, and, and try to try to trick your brain into going, you know, okay, well, I'm not going to have to that's this is not the absolute last day. Plus it's a project anyways. So you've got other tasks that you've been doing that are gonna make progress towards it. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's the tricky part too is, is the whole idea of, you know, like, hey, uh, you know, how do I keep making progress on these things? And that's why a to do list, you have to go beyond the to do list, like you said. Because if, if you stick with the to do list alone, you're going to end up having a lot more urgent and important tasks as opposed to necessarily important and urgent tasks, right?
1: Yeah. I'm glad you referenced uh, doing the, the front end work because I'd love to jump in and talk a little bit about the front nine. So
2: what I know was, a bit. I, I know a bit about it. Okay, so.
1: <laughs> uh, there's there's a book there. Somebody's written a book about this called The Front Nine by Mike Vardy, which is you. What can you tell us about? What was your inspiration for writing the book? And can you give us a brief overview? Because I've read it, I love it, and I want other people to buy it. So there's my endorsement.
2: Perfect, perfect. That that blurb is going on the back. It's got to go on Amazon and Goodreads too. <laughs> Although, does it matter now? You know uh, what? Amazon I, and
1: Goodreads are both the same now, I think. So uh, <laughs> you well, put it on one and the other There you go. <laughs> and honestly, I'm, I'm writing myself a note to make sure I've given it an, a five-star review on Amazon. Yeah, so. That's
2: that's an, that's an urgent and important task,
1: yes. by the way. Um, so the front nine basically is
2: a, it's called the front nine, how to start the year you want anytime you want. And the word year can be interchangeable here. Like uh, it's funny because when a lot of people, you know, when Dave David Allen says, oh, it's a systematic approach, and most people for GTD say, oh, you have to follow it by the letter of the law. Same thing with the 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 practical applications. Mine is more of a why-to book than a how-to book anyways. I, I talk about the different things that you can do, but I don't say here's how – exactly how you can have the year you want because – There's gonna be, you know, I I talked about, you know, there's there's three components in the book. And again, it could be how to start the project you want anytime you want, or how to start making progress towards the goal you want anytime you want. So I taught the book's breaking down broken down into three different areas, the drive, the fairway, and the green and you I mean John's book the start is is got a lot of you know ideas about you know just start well the drive in in my book i talk about you know there's different ways like a, when you're and i use the golf analogy a lot which which makes it accessible for a lot of people who aren't into productivity, and also for businessmen who golf, uh, so <laughs> so, and we have golf here here year round in Victoria. Like Christmas Day, there's golfing here because we don't get a lot of snow up here in 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 Van, on Vancouver Island. We just don't on the Pacific. We're in the Pacific Northwest, so we're just like Seattle and, and that and that. We don't get a lot of it. But uh, so the drive is all about how to start. Either you know, either you can go fast and 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 maybe not with as much direction, but you get as far as possible. Uh, you can go, you know, really, really specific but make shorter steps so your your initial launch is maybe not as far or you can do like a measured approach and a measured uh, – so you try to get – kind of get as far as you can but as as focused as you can in that step. Then the fairway talks about the different hazards you can come across, uh, how to get around them, what tools you can use, like, you know, and, and then the green is about the short game which in the game of golf is what most golfers struggle with and, in life, to the finish of a project—I'm sure you can attest to this as much as I can. It's the toughest part because there's the fine tuning, there's the actual getting done. There's—I mean—the book in of itself was an example of like, oh boy, it's almost done. oh, I, you know, I'll, I'll go do something else really quickly. Like you know, it's that that again, the fear of like, oh, and it's done now. What do I do? Or now, what happens with it? So, um, it, it, I break it down into those and I make it as accessible as possible using you know practical examples from my life and from. You know, I, my mom's mentioned in it and my wife did the Tough mutter, so I talk about that kind of stuff. So it's, it's, it's anecdotal and it's got some practical tips that you can take what you want from it and, and use. And then there's some stuff that may not apply to you and uh, that's cool too. But I wanted to write a, the first book that I wrote and I'm working on a second one now and it will expand on the front nine uh, to a certain extent. Uh, that was accessible and um, almost real. So, you know, where it wasn't too – where it wasn't preachy and saying here's the system, it was more along the lines of, look, uh, I don't start my year in January because it's a bad time of year. You don't have to either. Uh, Here's what you can do to get going no matter what time
1: of year it is. I felt like as I was reading it, I felt like I came up with the practical steps myself for me by listening and and thinking through the the theoretical or the – your examples were perfect, honestly. So,
2: yeah, and and that's the thing. Again, I mean, I can't say to someone, you know, here's the perfect task manager for you. Here's the perfect system, and, and no one can. David Allen's made a point of saying, look, you yeah. know, hey, take what you want. Don't maybe you maybe you'll use what I've got. Maybe you won't. You know, there's lots of different systems out there, and I think there's probably a point where, um, where we're we're at product productivity paralysis, and that there's so many apps, so many systems, so many ways. So many notebooks. There's a new notebook that came out that's got like dots and stuff on it that you can circle and cross out and stuff. That it's easier, and this goes back to what I talked about off the top. It's easier to to just go, wow, I can dwell in all these spaces and say, l- fool myself into saying, look how much more productive I am. But really, you're just playing with the tools. And, you know, I mean, it, I guess when, when back to the front nine, you can have the best set of golf clubs in the world. But if you suck at golf, it's not really going to help you.
1: Oh, that's a good one. And it's that practice. That's what the book mm-hmm. is about is it's about practicing your game mm-hmm. really when it yep. comes down to it. And that's really what I loved about it.
2: Yeah. It, it's, uh, I was on Google Plus the other day and, and a gentleman by the name of Wilson, I, cannot, I, think it's, uh, I can't pronounce his last name, but it's in, in Google Plus. He said, you know, Bruce Lee had this great quote and I'm like, this is great. He says, I, I don't yeah. fear the man who – what is it? I don't fear the man that does 10,000 kicks once. I fear the one man that does one kick 10,000 times. You know, and, and that's what it's about. And I think that there's a lot of people out there that need to look at this kind of stuff. And and the great thing about the book is that the other thing I liked about it when I was writing it is I want to make a book that could be applied anytime, anywhere, in any era that you're not going to go, OK, well, here's the tool I can use. Because, I mean, otherwise you're going to be updating it. Like it's not a it's not a manual for for anything other than, than like you said you can look at it and and say okay well this this will work for me and it's 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 kind of a reminder book like hey you know here's what you should do you figure out how to do it here's what you should do and here's I'll give you some suggestions and you find the tools to help you do it
1: and honestly it's the same type of writing that's in the front nine that's in productivityist.com mm-hmm. And that's why I really think everybody should go check you out there. Um, as we're nearing the end of our time together, where else can they go find you? Where Where do you want to direct people to? Well,
2: well, you can find me at, uh, again, at productivityist.com. You can also find me on the Twitter, at Mike Vardy on Twitter. And also the podcast, Mike's on Mike's, that I do with Michael Schechter of A Better Mess. We're uh, at Mike's on So that's Mike's the name and then on M-I-C-S because we're on microphones.com. Uh, and uh, we, we talk about uh, a lot of the same stuff. We have, we'd love to have you on the show,
1: Eric. Well, I'd, love so. to, I'd love to be on there. I can say again, here's another endorsement. If people, people ask me, hey, what podcast do you listen to? This is one of them. Awesome. Awesome. So, yeah,
2: we're we're really excited. We've got uh, a lot of great guests. And then I'm going to be uh, for those that are in the in the West Coast of Canada. They're listening to this or even the, in the Pacific Northwest, Seattle and stuff. There's a event coming up uh, the first uh, first week of May. So basically right after this, uh, I'll, I'll be doing this basically probably as a lot of people are listening to this. Yeah. Uh, social media camp. Uh, you can go to social dot C.A. And I'll be speaking on the, uh, the Tuesday on the social media slash productivity balancing act, which I think is a huge topic that a lot of people struggle with. So that one will have a bit of how-to in it, but more again. You know, I've I'm, I'm, become more my, – my approach to productivity, like we talked about, is more mindful and thoughtful than ever before. So whenever you read my stuff or hear me speak, you're going to get a lot of that stuff.
1: Excellent. Well, again, Mike, thank you so much for being on the show, and it's been awesome having you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate
2: it. I'm so glad that you know that there's a Green Lantern, not the Green Lantern. Dude, that, that made my die. that
1: made my day. Just don't call me a poozer. <laughs>
2: not a chance. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thanks again to Mike Vardy for stopping by. Don't forget to check out productivityist.com. Something that he did not mention because we recorded this before he mentioned it online. Pre-orders are now available for the Productivityist workbook. It's only five bucks and I've pre-ordered. So there's your endorsement. Go to productivityist.com. You'll see the link right there for the Productivityist workbook. You can order it for $5.00 from what I'm reading, it's going to be well worth it, especially based on blog writing and the front nine, as we mentioned in the episode. Make sure to check those out. Check out productivityist.com and make sure to tweet Mike at Mike Vardy on Twitter and myself at Eric with a K, the letter J, F-I-S-H-E-R. Let us know how you enjoyed this episode and what you got out of it. Until next time, I'll see you later. Beyond the To-Do List is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. Find more great podcasts like How to Podcast, Clean Comedy, Once Upon a Time, Christian Worldview, and more at noodle.mx. Think, laugh, and succeed by subscribing to our podcasts at
0: noodle.mx.